Hi, I'm James Batchelor, and you're listening to the GamesIntro.biz podcast. I'm joined this week by Mark Estelle of OMUK. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. It's my pleasure to be here. And thank you very much for your lovely facilities. This is the most professionally produced GamesIntro.biz podcast so far. Almost certainly no episode after is going to match this. We're on... How expensive is this mic, did you say? It's nearly four grand. Nearly four grand of mic. Lovely soundproof room. Um, We are setting the bar far too high. Um, But appropriately so, because we're going to be talking about voice acting and performance acting and you know, sound recording in video games. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah well, I hope people notice the <laughs> audio quality difference, but maybe they don't. But, uh. <laughs> no, they, they almost certainly will, given how, how lo-fi my usual recording process is. This is going to be incredible. Okay. Um, for anyone that, ha- that, on the off chance, they don't know who OMUK or who yourself are, let's uh, have a little intro as to uh, who you are and what you guys do. Uh, well, OMUK, we're a production company that look after voice content for games. So we do all the casting and recording. Fundamentally, that's it. So we do the script side of things with them. So it's polishing dialogue. Um, yeah, recording it and uh, getting it back into the game. <laughs> so you know, I started in the industry uh, 23 years ago, came in via localization um, to help build a studio, which I was invited to run. Then I built other studios. And, but my background has always been in production. And I just thought games were, just, you know, I was a big fan of games at the time. And it was an opportunity that was just amazing. But I wanted to get back into the production side rather than the localization side. Mm. So I set up OM in, as fundamentally as a freelancer in 96. Then um, that was up in the north. And, uh, and the rest is history, really. We've nearly done a thousand titles. I'm sorry, I'm told. Yeah. You know, I kind of lost content, you know, lost count over the years. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, we kind of work, the team work on about 100 titles a year now. Wow. And, it, you know, so, and they just become a mush in the past. Yeah. You know, once it's past, you do, all you're doing is focusing on the now and planning for the ones coming up, you know, and it's uh, kind of a bit of a roller coaster. So, so uh, yeah. 23 years and more than a thousand games or almost a thousand games like behind you like a broad question to begin with but like kind of what's been the biggest change in terms of how voice production and voice acting is handled in games I mean like, yeah like we've, we've come a long way from for a start we've come a long way from developers just doing the voice themselves yeah that's <laughs> when I first came into the industry really and I've had some ph- phenomenally um, <laughs> rude comments um, which I can't repeat unfortunately not not on on a podcast um, um, fundamentally, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> in this industry? Don't you belong in theatre or, you know, in a tutu? Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, when I first started, it was very much, you know, developers doing that. But when I came in, I came in uh, because I saw an opportunity. I saw the potential. Mm. And I really wanted to bring what I felt I knew um, to games. I wanted to bring my experience with television and with, with theatre and stuff like that, bring it into games and bring that discipline and bring real actors into games. Yeah. And it's like, you know, famously one of the very first, uh, it wasn't one, well, it wasn't my very first one, but one of the first British companies we, that we produced voice for was for Rage for a game called Incoming. And they went, they just told me to fuck off. They didn't, they didn't want anything. And I said, look, you know, we can show you what, um, difference having prof- proper actors in a game mm. can make and so I just called a bunch of actors that I knew and I said guys we're going to do this game together and we're just going to go out for a meal 
there's going to be nothing in it. We're just going to give the whole lot to the developer just to show them that it, you know, may add something to their process. And uh, we did it. Recorded the game. You know, it was so dis. I was so discouraging when I first started because nobody wanted to, wanted to know. Yeah. And yeah, and we recorded the game for the sent sent it off and they went, Thank you very much and put it in game and we had a really good curry and a good laugh. <laughs> you know. And that was one of the one of the you know, beginning stories. But I think as time's gone on, you know, obviously, you know, you look at the quality of things like you know, the Uncharted series mm. and stuff like that. Um, that people are coming in from other industries, bringing the production values um, of other industries into games. But I think when I first came in, you know, I, I was full of um, experience. I, you know, I spent 20 years in production before I even started in the games. And, and I thought it was going to be easy. You know, the first three years were utter hell. Um, but I did have some really good clients, you know, with EA and Sony. Um, but it was... Um, part of the journey was really unlearning what I'd learned before. Because mm. games are such a different universe from film, from TV, from radio. Anything that's gone before is very different. And I'd say one of the stumbling blocks was... I wanted to bring really good actors into the gaming world and they would flounder at the doorstep. They wouldn't know how to do it. So you get these great actors who come into the studio and be shit fundamentally. They'd be wooden. <laughs> and it was and it was and it was gnawing that bone. Um what those differences are were became my kind of life work. Mm. Um so the way we work now is very, very different to what I worked before. And I think the biggest part of that journey was unlearning the practice of what I'd, you know, I'd built, you know, which was a practice that's built on 4,000 years of theatre and, and, you know, the weighty, um, you know, the, the, the authority of you know, proper theatre acting. Yeah. And, the, and the, the, you know, the, the acting in film is brought to this level of, 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 you know, it's kind of formulaic, but it's built on this tradition that goes back thousands of years. And it's bloody hard swimming against that tide. <laughs> You know, with the agents, with actors, with everybody, even with the, you know, with the drama schools. When I first started, part of that journey of explore, exploring that difference was to engage with some of the dramatists and writers and designers within theatre and film and, and telly, you know, mm. just starting a dialogue. What are the differences? How do we address those differences? And, you know, luckily I was started to do workshops at the Drama Centre here in London, then at RADA. And then at uh, Lambda, which which I now dedicate three years, three weeks, three years of a year, three weeks a year to actually working with those schools and doing these masterclasses with the actors mm. and, and refining a dialogue, refining a language that takes the traditional perspective of acting of performance and transforming it into into for games, mm. and it's actually. It's it's quite a glorious thing now because it is like throwing a switch because it's touching an, um, part of what's inside an actor which isn't really explored. Um, and that is the instinctive, instinctive side of performance. Hmm. 
which if anybody's ever worked with really good voice actors, what they do is display um, a, a, a relaxed instinctiveness. So they come into the booth or come into a script, they can, whatever's thrown at them, they can just absorb it and live it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is to do with developed instinct mm. and trusting those instinct. Um, so going from theatre and television, etc., that is all about really control and building your character from a script. Then you're blocking and, you know, doing camera angles and mm. then you're doing, you know, doing all the costume work and the set and everything. So that whole process is very beautiful and produces amazing results but it is so alien you know we're going games okay um yeah we got the script um do it yeah and you know you've <laughs> got to you know and from and for a lot of actors that's their experience of working with games they're working with a director who mm. isn't part of the game itself yeah so they so oftentimes turn up on the day to record a script with a cast they haven't cast or don't know because the developer's already chosen the cast. Yeah. They're given a script and get and they and they and they are reliant on their experience of games and their skill of interpreting game developer speak into mm. actor speak. And that was a kind of model that very much still exists within the industry for um, getting performances out of games, out, out of, of actors. Mm. So you're very reliant on somebody else. You're clinging to somebody else for your context. I'm, I'm fairly sure it was you I was speaking to uh, a few years back about, you know, talking about context, like getting developers to send them assets and, you know, pictures of their character, pictures of the environment, like given any kind of... Because, if you, yeah, if you're just, I mean, sitting in a room much like we are now, yeah. like you don't picture yourself in this far off frozen tundra or in the middle of a space battle and you can't visualize it again it depends on the quality of the actor like but you can't instantly visualize and put yourself in that situation yeah. whereas yeah screen actors have the advantage even green screen you know productions you've still got props and costumes and so forth the event you know the avengers feel like they're superheroes because they're dressed as them yeah. if you're just standing in front of a microphone you're not going to feel like it yeah. so i think it was you that you were saying like yeah you, developers need to get the the assets to people like you guys and, like, you know, like, and give the, the actors as many tools as possible to really visualise where they are. Yeah. And, yeah, from the sounds of it, not enough people are doing that at the moment. Well, they, they yeah, they're increasing. They get it. Anybody yeah. gets it. The two things for the actor, one is the setting of the mind, of that, that switch from um, building something, crafting it, um, to living it. There's a difference between, you know, respond, living like somebody in the real world mm. instinctively, that aspect of it. But the other one is, as you said, completely context. Mm. So, yes, you need to know exactly where you are, when you are, who you're talking to, the distances, the environment, the presence of threats. There's, there's a whole lot of stuff that we as human beings take in naturally in the world walking down the street. We're, we're aware of our environment. If you put an actor in a booth without context, they're in a vacuum mm. and they're reliant on somebody explaining context. That person explaining is, of course, it's Chinese whiskers syndrome for one, and you're, going, you're invariably going to get it wrong to some degree. Mm. You know, so you'll get performances that are too loud, too quiet, not, not engaged enough. You know, all those nuances mm. that make truth, that connect to the environment, to who you are, what you want, what you're doing. Um, if they're communicated by voice, 
it's broken. Yeah. It will break. You know, um, so yeah, the, getting the game, the game developers to give you all the assets is essentially, you know, that's our mission. You know, whereas, um, and it's quite easy really to um, get a game developer to do it is by just introducing them to a, a session mm. where you've got all the assets there. And the actor comes alive in the studio because they can see where they are. They can see who they can, they're talking to. They can hear the environment. They can hear the music. You know, we've basically planned it with a developer that we get all the assets from them. And then we give them, we can, you know, as a, a director, what I can do is control all the assets in the session. So, you know, so for instance, music. You know, if you've got... You know, you, you imagine. You know, imagine. I didn't work on the game, but imagine an alien isolation. Yeah. You know, all you need to do is play some of that music where there's the alien close by. What it does, it sets you into an emotional state instantly. Mm. So, um, you know, it's a, a choice you have as a director to go. You know, do I just do this? You don't need to explain it. The actor's instantly in the right emotional space. You know, obviously depends on the the music and the score of the game, whether it is giving those cues and those beds, yeah. you know, to the performance. But, and, you know, it's great fun when you're actually working with an actor and you're actually just playing the music and they're just the whole performance changes and it all becomes a whole mm. rather than a performance on top of a on top of the actor. I'm talking about the performance of the music. Um, and the, yeah, the same with sound effects, you know, and ambient effects. You know, if you're in a noisy factory, having that noise there for all the actors means that, that they can hear the other performances. Yeah. You, you get everything in the right space. You know, if you're explaining to me it's a noisy factory and you're about five metres apart, you know, every actor will be doing something slightly different. You know? Yeah, and so like similar things like volume. Yeah, if yeah. Noisy... Volume, volume is the biggest killer. Yeah. You know, you, there's three reasons for volume. Distance, ambient noise, emotional state. Yeah, yeah, and get any of those slightly wrong, it's fucked. And I guess, and it creates a disconnect in the final game because, yeah. like, yeah, if if character is in a noisy factory, yeah. but the character itself is just speaking at a normal everyday volume, then it just it, it pulls you out of that scene. Yeah, the player out of that scene. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And talk a little bit about the the type of actors that people use because it always amazes me when you, particularly, not as guilty of this now, but when you look even like you know ten years ago, five ten years ago getting like proper triple A Hollywood actors who are genuinely incredible actors on screen, put them in a booth with a microphone and they've just, they become the most wooden performers yeah. ever versus I, I was talking to Sony London studio about uh, six months ago. They were talking about um, for, uh, I cannot remember the name of their VR game now. I'm thinking about it. Blood and truth. I think it is mm. like the, um, they're actually, hiring theatre actors yeah. because they believe that theatre actor, theater acting is closest to video game acting, that, well, closer than film or TV. Like, is that something you agree with? Is that something you encourage? Yeah, well, we, can, we always cast wide. Um, and, um, yeah, so you're, you, fundamentally you've got the community's voice actors. You've got people... And, and within that community, you've got voiceovers. You want to forget them. People who do voiceover, they sound good. You want actors who are doing stuff with their voice. But radio drama are quite good. Okay, yeah, people yeah. are familiar with that. But again, it's a slightly heightened performance. Yeah. So it depends. I like working with film um, actors because they... Because if you think about games... I think one thing I want to put 
out there really is I think games are the, one of the most challenging and exciting media for acting ever. It's going to take, it takes acting to another depth of reality. Hmm. You know, um, you know, people get excited about Daniel Day-Lewis. They talk about his method. But, you know, um, I'd love to do an interview with Daniel Day-Lewis and actually get him in to work with him because, um, because he connects with his characters and, you know, people recognise him for, the, the, you know, his depth of characterization, And it's about, actually, fundamentally, it's about becoming somebody else and living somebody else. Mm. Um, the, and, yeah, theatre actors, eh, you know, they're all script builders. Yeah. They all build out from the script. And, and unless a theatre, every media has its... Um, relationship with the audience actually every genre game genre has a relationship with the audience you know so how you suspend your disbelief you know the you know the the, the the in you know we all know it's not real yes but yeah. we're engaging in it yeah you know in a theater you know the actor may be whispering on stage but we all understand that the person, the furthest person in the audience, has got to hear them. Yeah. So there's that, that contract. Yeah. You know, within with games, there's all sorts of different levels of dis, suspension of disbelief with you know with characters that gamers make, which are actually completely, I think, unnecessary. Hmm. Um, I dare <laughs> dare I say it? You know, it's um, um, yeah, we call call thing called Skyrim syndrome. Yeah. You know, the difference between those really well-crafted, um, you know, cutscenes or stuff that have obviously been done on a mocap stage and really well-directed and the actors know what they're doing. Then you get into some of the in-game dialogue yeah. where you've obviously got somebody who's reading lines in the stage and haven't got a fucking clue where they are. No. Yeah. And, they, you know, and, it, and you get some sort of distraught person who's going to be sent off on, on a quest and they are the most disconnected. So you're getting, it's like being punched in the face because you're getting this contrast being some beautifully done work against mm. utter garbage. Yeah. And it's just like, and that, to my mind, a game is as strong as it's the weakest performance. <laughs> Any actor can do it. You know, what you're looking for is emotional intelligence, ability. Um, you know, um, you know, stage actors have to work out from the script. They have to move with precision. You know, everything about them is about that control. However, for a stage actor coming into this, they've got the intelligence, but if they're not absolutely in the context and you don't if you don't bring them into the context correctly they're going to be as crap as anybody else yeah. you know yeah it could be a guy off the street and put them in front of a mic you know because if it's contextually wrong it's fucked mm. so either you've got to handle you know so there's two ways of you know i think there's two fundamental ways of um approaching dialogue and working with an actor either we kowtow to their world you know, and a lot of directors do. They give them paper scripts in screenplay format. Throw them in the fucking bin. Yeah. Because it just takes away from the concentration of being the game. You know, you're kidding an actor that this is a play yeah. or a screenplay. It's not. It's a game. You know, the script is a complex, massive logic that could be 100,000 
words of dialogue. Learn your lines, theatre chap. Yeah. You know, but if it's simple and straightforward and it can be staged in a way they understand fully, then you're going to get really good performances out of them. So theatre actors, uh, film actors for, you know, doing mocap mo shoots. Mm. Oh, gorgeous. You know, but it, um, kowtowing to them for um, in-game stuff is just kind of a bag of wrong. Yeah. Because what you, uh, the ideal thing is what I've tried to do is take them, transform their perspective safely and bring them into the magic of games. And once you get them into the magic of games, fuck hell, they fly. <laughs> you know, and I've, you know, I love it. You know, I'm, um, you know, I've got a, a, a production where I'm recording out in the States in a couple of weeks with a top name film actor. But I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend a bit of time with him, do a workshop with him. Mm. And I know I'm going to get the performance out. I know he's going to be excited about it because the whole process of entering into it, into the depth of what you can pull out of a character, yeah. is, uh, is exciting. But it's doing it in a different way. And the, the, the methodology we use is um, based on you know, the whole spycraft stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a whole other challenge to video games as well. Like, you, know, you said a while back about... Um, the actors have obviously become, they've got to become different people yeah. and become different characters. But like, in terms of the, a player character in something like a large RPG with various different dialogues, I'm thinking like the, you know, the Commander Shepherds, yep. for example. Like, they've not just got to become one player character, they've got to become so many different characters depending on how the player wants to play that role. Yeah. Because there's that disconnect of, yeah, if they select something, select dialogue that they would want to say as that character, and yeah. then the the actual performance doesn't match what they expected. It's like, well, hang on, I wouldn't have said it that way. And again, there's that disconnect, and that that's got to be very challenging to come out, come come to terms with. Well, I think that that kind of thing is understanding. You see, one of the things that happens in often with acting, um, you tend to get overacting in the studio. When there's a vacuum. Mm. So oftentimes when it's just the voice, you'll get, um, you know, you may get a writer who wants to hear everything. Or it depends on the type of director, actually. It's really interesting because I've worked with film directors, uh, radio di directors, um, TV, theatre, um, in the studio working on uh, different games. And it's very different. Because those different genres have different ways of thinking. You know, like film and TV, you're thinking very visually. Mm. You know, um, in radio, you're just thinking about the voice because the voice carries everything. There's a tendency to <coughs> what I call fill the vacuum. So a film director is thinking visually in everything. Without those things, they're trying to cling to something that gives them context. And the only thing that gives them context is voice. So the performances can be quite large. But the trick, I think, with games, or especially with lead characters, you know, like Commander Shepard, mm. um, is underplay. You know, so if I'm working with a writer or an animator or something in the studio with me, I want them to be feel slightly uncomfortable about the performance mm. and then make it more uncomfortable. Because it kind of less is more. So... Um, you know, you, the lead character, in a sense, needs to be um, what I call vanilla, in yeah, a sense, okay. because they're the main thread in the whole game. And what you want them to do is have the audience fill the space. Our imagination fills mm. the gaps. If the character is too big and too too bold, 
it may jar with your own internal ownership of that character. Yeah. If it's understated, what you do is draw the audience's imagination into the character. So they fill the gaps however they want to fill it. So it's really interesting. Um, there's an actor, I've forgotten his name now. Um, he's going to kick my ass. But it was, um, but who does that brilliantly? He plays a lot of lead roles. Mm. And he's just understated. And it's just gloriously understated enough. And everyone goes, oh, what a great actor. You listen to it in isolation, and his performances are really quite dull. But that's the magic of it. And yeah. it's getting into that space where you're actually engaging the audience's, uh, you know, the player's imagination as well as the character. You know, so you've got choices. Yeah. But they, if they, they fill it out. You know, it's when it's too big, it kicks them out. Is there room for more actors? Like you, you say, like you were talking about, like a, a famous lead actor. Like in almost certainly, anyone listening to this will think, right? That's either Nolan North or Troy Baker. Like, cause <laughs> Nolan North. Nolan North, right? Yeah, yeah. That was it. Thank Th you very much. Those are the two, aren't they? Like you've yeah. got Nolan North and Troy Baker do the vast majority of big roles, big characters, and it must be quite disheartening for anyone who's an aspiring voice actor there, out there, or anyone who's try or anyone that can't afford North or Baker. Like, is there room? Is there opportunity for more actors? Oh, massively. You know, um, we tend to, I think, you know, going down the, I think, I think Nolan and Troy both know it, you know, they're kind of overused. Mm. And it's just like, and for the audience, it's kind of dull, you know. You know, it's, like, it's either fandom or it's just like, oh, really? Them again. Them again, <laughs> you know. Um, yes, they're both brilliant. They're both very good and, 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 you know, enjoy their work. And actually, but actually the breadth of acting and ability and what actors can bring is there's just there's massive there's mm. massive you know we got you know meg is now running the sort of the casting side with us um the, the whole casting team are forever just you know 24 7 um actors incoming actors incoming filtering mm. checking people out and it, and we're always casting um surprising you know new actors coming in from different genres who've never done it before who are just phenomenal they bring something special and unique mm. you know it's not just about the intelligence and the flexibility and brilliance of just a couple of people you know it's um as actors are as, are as unique as the there are people on the planet mm. are unique every single one of us is original so everybody brings um something different you know, and bringing a, an orchestra together, which is like a cast for a game, made up of those contrasts and differences and, you know, new relationships, um, I think is really vital. And the, the opportunities are massive for the acting community. And, and you never know where, who you're going to find or where you're going to find them. Like the example no. I was um, using this sort of conversation is um, Hellblade. Senua sacrifice, like mm. the woman who plays Senua, who yeah. I apologise, I cannot remember her name at this yeah. precise moment, but she won awards for like you know best performance, and I, and I I saw her perform live at GDC. Um, Unreal, Unreal was showing off like kind of the real time tech. This was brilliant. This was one of my favourite moments of a GDC. Like they um they had Senua up. This is about two years before the game came out. Yeah. They had Senua up on the screen, and she was acting in real time. Yeah. And you think, okay, well that's been really well done and really well rendered. And then they pulled back a curtain, and she was there doing it live yeah. and it was all reacting to her on screen and she's not an actor she, and she's not an actor and that's the thing it's like she, she was doing such a great job and she's not an actor yeah it's phenomenal and, then, and that is taking having the courage to do that and realising what that talent is you know like the Harry Potter films yeah, yeah. You know, they had, none of them were you know pulled up through drama school and all that 
shenanigans, you know, and some of the, the best actors I work with are untrained, you know, never had a day's training in their life, mm. but they've got the intelligence, you know, the, 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 the things are, is the ability to, you know, embrace your imagination, you know, and be comfortable with your imagination, you know. So it's like, you know, being safe and free to experiment is a massive hump to get over. Yeah. And some, you know, some of the actors, you know, Ashley Birch, you know, for, you know, when I cast her for Aloy, you know, I, I sat down <laughs> with her and talked to her about, you know, what sort of training she had. None. <laughs> he was making the you know the online uh, video with a brother who was doing it at film school. Yeah, that's how it all, kind of fundamentally where it all started, and a massively intuitive, intelligent actor, absolute joy to work with, because she's engaged and is going. She's just entering the character she's playing. She knows Aloy intimately. Mm. You know, and and that is just to do with her radar and her brain, you know, and her, you know, and her freedom to play. You know, she's, you, it's, you do it without inhibition. Yeah. You know, the, anybody who's worked with Nolan or Troy, um, which I haven't, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, I've, I've had uh, Troy in for um, an audition and he was brilliant. He's absolutely phenomenal. But um the one thing you really notice about really good actors is they have a lot of fun. You know, they're big kids. Yeah. You know, it's like they just throw themselves wholly into it. They're not self-conscious. They're just entering into the play element of it and out of that comes truth and that's the same across like a kind of any form of entertainment like you know you watch tv you watch um, films like you can really tell when the actor's having fun with that role yeah and it not and it kind of makes you engage more not only with that character but with that film but also with that actor so yeah, and you kind of then become a, a fan as such i mean aside from aloy um because it sounds like you had a great time working working with ashley birch like not just on the the things that you've worked on, but also like out of games you've played or games you've seen. Like, what would you give us the the most recent examples of, or the best recent examples of how good performance can be in games, and and the kind of the the tent poles that people should be looking to to kind of take inspiration from. Uh, well, you see, my my journey was always in adventure games. Mm. You know, I, I got a, I, I was brought up on, you know, Day of the Tentacle and Manic Mansions and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I was a huge fan of Lucas Arts, and that that lulled me into a sense of security. Way, you know, in the in the, in the early nineties, because some of the performances in there were just hilarious, brilliant, superbly well written. Yeah, you know, fabulous performances. I thought. This is what games is all about. Oh, was I so fucking wrong? You know, it took another 10 years before anything was coming close to that. So I was always um, a big fan of uh, LucasArts then of um, Telltale. Mm. And I worked on a lot of Telltale titles. And, um, and their thing, because of adventure gaming, you know, I worked with Charles Cecil on the Broken Sword stuff, adventure games are fundamentally, I always can say they're the future of gaming because it's about, the you know, it's basically... A script and performances with puzzles. Yeah. You know, story yeah. with puzzles. So the story is really important and the characters are really important more than anything else because all you're doing is pointing and clicking and putting A and B together and you yeah. know what I mean? So there's that, a really uh, convoluted way of pressing play on the next scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So the, the, um, so I've always loved the stuff that have come out of Telltale. 
and of and of Naughty Dog, bless the cult and the socks, yeah. you know, because you know Amy Henning is just fucking awesome, passionate, you know, and I've always said, you know, it's like the. Um, you know, <laughs> no, it's not quite like the Egyptians, but the Egyptians, you know, when you have um, un unlimited resources, anything is achievable. Yeah. You know, and it was just like the amount of time and resources of, of staging and crafting everything mm. uh, that Naughty Dog do is just, oh, you, can, you can see the results, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm, um, I really, I'm looking forward to the... Um, the new Red Dead. That's sort of the, yeah. Yes. I know. I'm really, um, yeah. I've been really impressed with some of the stuff in Grand Theft, and it's you know, and, and hey, they're not a bunch of superstars doing the voices and that, but they get these great performances mm. out of it, and natural and and it's just like yeah, I love this shit. You know, definitely. I mean, like the Trevor from GTA Five, like one, you know, the kind of the go-to example from that game, but like, yeah. yeah, one of the most memorable characters of yeah, recent yeah. years. And yeah, you can, and again, you can kind of tell the the the, the actor is having so much fun with that role. Yeah. I think I've actually seen like YouTube clips of like him at Comic Cons, and he yeah. just drops back into that character yeah. because he had so much fun fun with it and spent so much time with it. And I, I, it's interesting you mentioned like Naughty Dog, and obviously like you know, the, the the resources they have available mm. to them. Obviously, a fair number of people who read and and listen to GamesIndustry.biz won't have those resources. We're not all we're not all naughty dogs. Yeah, like in that position, but you want to get a good actor or you want to get a, a you know a good performance out of your game. Like, what are your options? Like, I mean, well, the, um, the, yeah, the options is, but it, it's like the I can't remember which you know it's the old military thing. You know, piss poor planning. <laughs> um, is it, is, um, is it the, the four P's or five P's or um, uh, produces pretty pathetic. I don't know why. I can't remember <laughs> what it is. It's pre-production is king. Yeah, and pre-production doesn't cost. It's fundamentally, you know, game assets exist. If you're aware, you know, I do a lot of work with adventure games. So I may do the big AAA stuff, mm. but my heart and soul is still in adventure games. I adore them. I adore stories. I love writers. You know, I like people who go creating stuff with metaphor of, you know, about humanity and mm. really interesting stuff, you know. Um, and adventure games, you know, so they um, have tiny budgets. You know, sometimes they're minuscule teams who have raised 30 grand on Kickstarter, but they've got a brilliant idea mm. and a brilliant story. You know, genius comes out of an individual, not out of a multinational corporation. Yeah. And it's just like... Um, and I, and, I, and I, getting the quality, you know, my kind of mantra is that you can get the quality of Naughty Dog for a fraction of the cost simply by the way you do it. You just need to be a bit, you know, you need you need malice aforethought mm. before going into it. You know, like if I'm going to achieve this, what do I need to put in place? And then, then the things we've one is engaging the actor correctly, and the other one is giving them the context. Mm. And actually giving them, you know, context is king, 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 king. You know, it, it, as soon as you can see, and I'll take you into the studio and show you. I, I think I must have done a demo with you at some point. I've shown you something back in the, the years gone by. But I'll take you into the studio and actually put you into a game, and you'll get it instantly. Yeah. And all we do, you know, I go to, I, we spend time with the developers because it's... Um, and it doesn't matter if there are, you know, two-person team in the Outer Hebrides. You know, um, 
getting inside their heads and then getting realizing the difference assets can make and the just the, the methodology of how the process mm. they take and how they do it and when they do things has a massive massive impact you know the biggest mistake you can ever do is is uh, decide to cast and record a game when your script is ready yeah you're dead <laughs> you've lost all the advantages the actor can bring you've lost all the advantages of preparing during development and you know um you still can get a great performance out of it because if you go with good people and you know good studios whatever you're going to get um you're going to get results but you're not be you're nowhere near going to be able to oh that's not even english get the magic you can actually get by engaging things at the right time at the right space so you can create the momentum through the whole production and that doesn't cost money it saves you money actually yeah because you know if you've done the prep when you hit production it's just do it finish in game gone there's no oh pickups and pain over oh can we make do with this do we have enough budget to actually redo this no you know because if you prep you don't have to do the sort of messy shit at the end yeah. you know it's like one of the i think one of the very first games um we did. I did the Conflict Desert Storm series years ago, Pivotal, um, and um, just by being a bit more organised, we took two two months off their audio QA. You know, the, the whole QA passed before going to master. Yeah. Simply by just planning, you know, and that was a real way. You know, that was like, ooh, this makes a difference. You know, so if it's going to cost a couple of grand at this end, it's going to cost save you. A f- load more at the back end, <laughs> the you know, end, yeah. and it, it, yeah, it, it, and it's uh, you know the proof of the pudding really is in in the, you know in the, in you know what you can do. So it actually, yeah, it's malice of forethought. So yeah, get your game assets together, cast early, engage the actors. Mm. Don't you know actors don't want to just uh, you know their agents. Everybody's going, oh yeah, you got to get you got them for two hours from here to here. You know, I like cast them three years off sometimes mm. before the production, but then I engage them with the production. They get excited about it. They're feeding into the project. They're feeding into the writing. Yeah. You know, um, I imagine actors like to know they've got a gig coming up <laughs> in the long term. So. Yeah, and it, 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 it becomes much more exciting because they get to see the underbelly of games and the creation, and it influences you know what performance they bring to the little scraps of script you've given them. Mm. You know, they could record it on their phone. You know, for hand it to the developer, you can actually build a demo easier with, you know, um, better quality than using robo voice than somebody just reading the lines into an iPhone. Yeah. And sending off the, you know, the files and chopping it up and putting it in game. You're going to get something nuanced out of that than robo voice. And the thing about it, it unifies the team, it changes the animation, et cetera, et cetera. Last kind of question then um, for anyone that's listening that, that, that's toyed with kind of offering like becoming a voice actor in games and kind of likes the idea of, of actually doing the performing because i'll be honest i toyed with this years ago yeah thinking oh yeah that looks fun i'd love to kind of get into it i've, yeah, I've done a little lamb dram I, I, yeah. I could give this a go and where do you even start like how do you even make yourself known or, or get involved in something like this well i think you know the indie scene is massive yeah and i think a lot of people you know cut their teeth on the indie scene and I think for you know for people wanting to, um, yeah, just plug into that. You know, f- you know, as a production team, we have an open door, but we have very 
clear standards. So, but we recognise, um, you know, so actors, any actor, can approach us, and we will audition them and put them into produ- production environment mm. to see how they perform and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Because <coughs> it's in our interest, you yeah. know. Because you, it it is always panning for gold, you know. Um, the team call it embracing the great unwashed, but you do find those fucking gems in there. Mm. So we don't close the door. It's not a closed door. Um, um, agents are limited. You know, they have limited resources. But I think for some an actor wanting to get in is is talk to the indies. You know, there are. Um, you know, meetups and things like that, and I know some actors tout themselves around and annoy everybody, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of annoying. But it, it's you know, it's who you meet in the pub often, isn't it? Yeah. And you say, I can, I'll you know, give it a go and work it. You know, when you're somebody who's actually building something and trying something, do it with them. You know, um, you know, for Hellblade, you know, mm. she started this placeholder. Yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 in the end, you know, she stuck. And I think that I think you know, it was that was fantastic. You know, that shows that openness. And you know, you know that one of the things I do in casting is not have the actors' names on the sample I give to the developer, mm. because actors' names make people deaf. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because you look and you think if, if it's a name you know, you think oh. And, and you, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, you're not evaluating the performance against the character. No. And the essence of it is to bring a character to life, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is just getting to be in the right pub at the right time. <laughs> you know, fundamentally, it's, it's tough. Words it's, to live by, be in the right pub at the right time. I yeah, like yeah. that philosophy. Okay. Excellent. And um, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for your facilities. Uh, it's been absolutely brilliant. And uh, thank you for having us here. It's been a pleasure. For our listeners, you can find all our previous episodes uh, on all good pl- podcasting platforms. And you can find more news, analysis and insight into the world behind video games at www.gamesindustry.biz. 